Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. And Jesus' response basically is, really? Really, Philip? You've been with me all of this time and yet you want some sort of esoteric experience to see God, to know God. In wrestling with how to prepare for a sermon about the Holy Spirit, I was starting to wonder why is it that we in the West have such difficulty with the Holy Spirit specifically and with spirituality in general. If you look at the creed that we're about to recite after the sermon is over, you discover very little language about the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was no language about the Holy Spirit in the first draft of the Nicene Creed because the Holy Spirit was not the issue on the table. The issue on the table was who is Jesus? The Holy Spirit has sort of been treated by the institutional church as a little bit of a, of a stepchild almost, sort of shoehorned into the Trinity at the last minute with the hope that maybe we get some acknowledgement of what's really going on. And so later on they came and tacked on that last paragraph of the Creed which begins with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's interesting. Those of you who like to watch PBS and who like Masterpiece Theater and are probably Downton Abbey fans, or Downer Abbey as we've come to call it since the last season, <laughs> know that following the last season of Downton Abbey is a new series called Mr. Selfridge. And Mr. Selfridge is a historical drama about a Chicago salesman, businessman, who moves to London to open the first big box store ever. And I delight in it being half British because it's all about the collision of an American pull yourself up by your bootstrap entrepreneur with the entrenched classes and stratification of high British society and sort of the collision that happens in post-Edwardian England over that. It's about a culture that's trying to move out of its Victorian rigidity into something new and of course, you know, typical of Masterpiece Theatre, it's delicious with scandals and intrigue and all of that and, and Mr. Selfridge is, is really a snake oil salesman at the end of the day. But one of the things he does is he's always bringing in celebrities to Selfridges to bring people in the door, you know. At one point he puts an airplane together on the floor of the store. At another point he brings in one of the local actresses who's very popular. At another point he brings in no one other than Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to sign his books, have a book signed. And some of you may not realize that the author of Sherlock Holmes was also a big aficionado of the occult and was into seances and spiritualism, which was very hot in the early part of the 20th century. And so Mr. Selfridge agrees to hold a seance for his staff. And they hold the seance and the medium that Arthur Conan Doyle brings in finally starts to articulate to Mr. Selfridge that there's a spirit who wants to talk with him and Harry realizes that it's his father, his deceased father, who wants to talk with him and at that point the seance stops. He's like, no thank you very much. We'll stop right there. That's enough. 
And then it dawns on me, spirituality for us in the West is about the occult a lot of the time. And it's a way we sort of hide behind our private selves. And of course, this is what we hear all the time in Southern Marin County. Oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, right? Which is another way of saying, I like to keep myself to myself. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But it makes two mistakes. The first one, which we'll get back to in a minute, is about the nature of spirituality, particularly from the Christian perspective. And the second is about what religion is. Richard Rohr puts it best, particularly in the Western church, we think of religion one of two ways, both of which are fatally flawed. We either think of religion as a kind of nostalgia for bringing back a past may or may not have been ever, and getting back to that somehow. Or we think of religion as a carrot, that is, how do I get to heaven? Something always off in the future. But religion at its base meaning simply means to rebind, to bring back together. The L-I-G in religion is the same root as the word ligament. Those things that bind together the bones in our bodies that hold us together. Religion is to relink, to rebind, to bring back us into relationship. Not with simply ourselves, but with other people and with God. And spirituality is the engine that is meant to drive that. And it is not about private devotion. If you get anything at all out of the book of Acts, which was so beautifully read in so many languages just a few minutes ago, understand that Christianity is not a private enterprise. The apostles are on the streets of Jerusalem in the midst of the dispersed Jews who have gathered for the Feast of Pentecost, all speaking their diverse languages. And the spirit arrives to break down all of the barriers so that the gospel may be shared, not held privately, not nurtured by our ego, but nurtured in community. That is one of the gifts of the spirit. And the language and the actions of the spirit are so monumental in scripture and yet so foundational, we can miss them. We can lose the forest, if you will, for the trees. It is the spirit, the breath of God, the ruach, that moves over the chaos at the beginning of creation and makes the cosmos. It is the breath of God that appears in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. Some of you will remember that story from our Easter vigil, right? And the dry bones are brought together and linked together and they're re-enfleshed and yet they lay dead still at the bottom of the valley until the breath of God, the spirit of God, breathes life into them. The spirit is what Jesus gives up as his last act on the cross. And it is the breath that he breathes over his disciples as the risen Christ says, receive the Spirit of God. 
The reason we lose sight of the spirit is not because it's far away or mysterious or occult, but because it is so intimate and foundational to our being that we can forget that it is there. Closer to us, as we are fond of saying, that even our very breath, always at work, inside and outside these walls, always turning our lives topsy-turvy and upside down in some ways and opening our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our minds. The spirit does not need definition because without the spirit we cease to be. It is the gift that has always been given and will always be given. It is what draws us into true religion, which is not about the carrot or the stick, but about the present now. The spirit that is operative even as we are gathered here in this moment, in this place, recognizing that we are stronger spiritually as a community rather than simply being off on our own practices, being spiritual but not religious. We are being bound together in God's loving grace. I invite you to think about that and think about how that embodies your faith. The spirit is not something otherworldly and we don't need a seance to invoke it. When you encounter the spirit, you will know it because it will bring you new insights and indeed new life. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and a journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at oursaviormv.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.